Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Youth Ministry Training Call, a youth ministry training call that occurs each month, hosted by the United Pentecostal Church International Youth Ministries. This is Josh Carson, your Youth Ministries President, and I'm thankful to have you along with us for the call. Tonight during the call, if you have any questions that you would like to ask live, you can do that via our social media simply by using hashtag AskYM. Following the call, if you'd like to reach out to us on social media about the call, or if you would like to promote different things that were said, you can do that using hashtag YMTC. This is call number 19. We're so thrilled to have each one of you with us. We are so thankful for what UPCI Youth Ministries is seeing take place all over North America. It is our purpose to educate and engage. We want to educate students in apostolic identity and engage them in apostolic mission. To you, as youth workers, we say thank you for partnering with us to achieve that goal. Thank you for not only supporting in your local assembly, in your district areas, but thank you for helping us by giving sacrificially to Sheaves for Christ, which underwrites everything we're trying to accomplish here at the UPCI Youth Ministries. Thank you for personally investing in this generation of apostolic Pentecostal youth. As we like to say, you are our heroes. We're living in such a unique time right now. We have to be calculated. We have to be focused in our efforts of reaching after this generation. Would you join me right now in a moment of prayer before we launch into our speaker this evening? God, we honor you. You are so good to us. Your blessings on our life would be hard for us to even articulate. Before we ask you for anything tonight, we simply say thank you. Thank you for the blessing of our family. Thank you for the blessing uh, in being able to help lead this generation. For such a time as this, we have been placed. We're asking now, God, that you would touch our hearts and our minds to receive from your word tonight. Help us to receive uh, not just inspiration, uh, but also instruction that we could do our very best in whatever capacity you've placed us in at this time, so that ultimately it would be effective for the sake of your kingdom. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're so thankful tonight have our, having our special guest, Brother Ryan Dean. Ryan is the student pastor of current students at the Pentecostals of Bossier City in Bossier City, Louisiana. He has served in this position for 15 years, and so he is a veteran to youth ministry, and many of you joining on the call have met Ryan, know him and his precious family. He would tell you he's married to his best friend and his favorite worship leader, Sherry. They got married in 2006 and have two incredible boys, uh, Raylan and River, uh, six and three years old, beautiful uh, children. Ryan loves all things nerdy. He is, uh, he is a embracer of that and willing to own up to it. He is passionate as a supporter of Arsenal Football Club. Uh, for those of you that are confused, he's talking about soccer. Uh, so if you have any questions for him on that. Tonight, Ryan is with us on the training call speaking on the subject of making your facility 
their facility. Uh, what I found in youth ministry over the years, one of the most critical elements of youth ministry, allowing the students, the young people that show up to feel ownership when they come to the facility. So welcome, Brother Ryan. We are so glad that you're here with us tonight. Please take your time and just uh, share with us. So yeah, we're good to go then, I guess. Um, just want to say it's a pleasure to be with everybody tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I hope this is of some value to somebody. I'm just going to dive right off into this. We're talking about making uh, your facility their facility. So just some context here. Um, I've been in sort of both situations before in which we um, we had a room that was not really meant for student ministry uh, for the most part. It was just kind of a weird set up and uh, we spent the first, I guess um, it would be 13 years in that room. And then we just transitioned to a new building here recently. And I'll get to that later. But uh, I just want to start off with um, just a few thoughts initially on um, where we're going. Just just I promise you what I'm about to say is on topic. It's just going to take a second. We're going to get there. Uh, so just before you start scratching your head and wondering why I'm talking about this, we're going to get to it. Um, the weird thing about student ministry when you read the word of God is that I don't really see I don't really see uh, student ministry described in any way. I don't see um, like this outline or a plan as to how you're supposed to um, develop a student ministry and how it's supposed to function. But I guess we don't really know whether or not they did. We, we know that they meant house to house. I don't know that they had youth facilities at that time. I'm kind of guessing that they did. And I don't even know if they had student ministries. Um, but I, I think that looking back, Probably student ministry has a lot to do with uh, the rule of 150. And the rule of 150 says that basically human beings are not really meant to comprehend and to experience and to manage more relationships than 150 people. So uh, that means that all these people with Facebook friends, you know, they max out their 5,000 count limit or whatever it is. We're not really meant to support. To, to manage that many people. So what happened is, is as the church grew, especially as uh, when the 1900s hit and whenever the Pentecostal movement kind of exploded, uh, that's the context for what we do. I'm, I guess that at some point, whenever the churches grew to a certain level, they said, we've got to do something special for our students because at this time, you know, uh, biblical days, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, they're getting married. They're having kids. They're getting along with life. And that's whenever they're coming to our group, uh, you know, throwing chairs at each other today. So it's kind of a weird um, setup. We don't really have a context for it in the word of God for the most part. I know that Paul did tell Timothy, he said, don't let anybody despise your youth. Be an example to the believers in word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, purity. And so uh, we can kind of see how the apostle Paul addressed him. He said, basically, you're not supposed to be thought of really as a youth, or don't let people hold your youth against you. A lot of times we treat youth ministry like uh, we're developing Christians instead of we're actually pastoring just younger Christians. Uh, and I think that kind of addresses one pet peeve of mine. Uh, just to clarify for everybody, student ministry is not a stepping stone to quote unquote real ministry. Uh, student ministry is a present ministry. It's vital for right now. Uh, so keeping that in mind, a lot of times we we look at what we're doing in student ministry and we base it on whether or not we're getting approval and whether we're getting nods and likes and compliments. And it makes us feel like we're stepping up to the next level. If, if that's our mentality, we have to take a step back uh, because student ministry, by and large, even though a lot of people have treated it as a stepping stone, uh, the reality is that when it comes down to it, 
it does not matter how the space that we're conducting student ministry reflects upon us personally as an individual, as a leader uh, in a student ministry. Trust me, I believe that you should market your student ministry on social media. I think that you should present it as best as you can. I believe that you should make your space, uh, first of all, keep it clean, which is the biggest challenge probably in student ministry. But we're not trying to impress anybody. We can't be worried about how it makes us look to the outside world. Uh, I think a lot of times we sort of derive our personal value from like an outsider's perspective perspective or perception of our work, uh, but we don't spend student ministry proving our worth. We spend student ministry unlocking the student's worth. So with that in mind, this is kind of the scripture that I want to point out before we kind of uh, get the table set. It's Proverbs 22 and 6. It's a well-known scripture. Uh, we quote it often. It's train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And a lot of times, the way that I've always heard it phrased is if you train up a child in in the gospel, if you train up a child in good conduct, in in virtue and purity, that when they're old, they're going to remember, hey, this is the way that it's supposed to be. And so I'm not going to deviate from it. But that's not the Jewish the, the Jewish people's perspective on that particular scripture. They kind of view it a little bit differently. We say train up a child in the way he should go, thinking of just uh, that one solid way that we know that's truth. And we believe in truth, obviously, but we think of it, train up a child in truth. But the difference is Jewish people have always interpreted that. They say, train up a child in the way he should go. So instead of saying, not, not that truth deviates at all, that's not the point, but they say, train up a child in the way that he should go. In other words, every individual has strengths. They have personalities, they have character traits, they have different needs and desires. And yeah, even you, you have different facilities. Uh, every single student ministry is going to be different. It's going to look different. It's going to sound different. So there's not one exact formula for how we should kind of build our, uh, our, our facility in the way that it's supposed to operate. We look online for ideas. I don't know about you guys, but if, if you go to, what is it, church stage design or churchstageideas.com, I don't know what the website is. You can Google it. We, we look for that kind of stuff and we get ideas from that stuff. But then we get on social media and we look at what our friends in another state or another city or even even across the road, we look at what they're doing and we just spend our time comparing ourselves to each other. Uh, because really, a lot of the greatest ideas are going to come from what we see online. But the problem is we look at stuff sometimes and we start feeling so inadequate. And so we take it very personally and we say, what can I do to make sure that I'm doing a good job? Instead of saying, what can I do to make sure that our facility is actually what our students or what my students right here need? And I think probably some of the greatest ideas are going to come from what a lot of people would consider an unlikely place. I have made a habit of defending millennials. Uh, people call them sensitive. They call them inconsistent. They call them narcissistic. They call them lazy. They just It's like it's open season on millennials. Just everybody's just coming out both barrels blazing, just uh, taking them out one at a time. I have an issue with all of those perceptions, to be honest. But the one that drives me crazy uh, probably the most is when they're called lazy. Because in my experience, millennials and this generation that has now come after them, I believe they call it Generation Z. There's not really a, a great term for them yet. We're trying to figure them out still, but they're not lazy. They just have not yet been entrusted with decisions. And so nobody has handed something to them and said, hey, take this, uh, make it better, make it good, have fun with it, bring people in. And so when they come out with ideas, a, a lot of times, whenever you've heard so much about them, you say, I 
I don't necessarily know that I want them to uh, be in control of this kind of stuff. But the thing is, there are a lot of ideas that are just waiting to be unlocked. And I think it's important to give their ideas your ear and to lend them a hand in the work or actually let them have a portion of control. Now, the thing is, we have to have editorial control over their ideas. We have had some crazy, crazy, crazy ideas in, in our old building that we that we were in. Uh, it's our family life center. We had a corner of the building just sort of reserved for us. And they had all these ideas about how to decorate the place. And why I remember the, the worship band in particular had this idea. They were all into, I think they were listening to uh, Blink-182 on the down low. Uh, uh, we were trying to tell them not to, but I think they're all listening to that kind of stuff. And they were like uh, vivid colors and crazy ideas. And I remember our guitarist one time said, hey, how about we do splatter paint on the walls? And um, that would have been a terrible idea. It would have been a horrible idea. He just wanted to take a brush and sling paint absolutely everywhere. Uh, so you can't say yes to every single idea. But later on, some one of our students had the idea. Let's let's just find some pallets, just reclaim them from the back of Home Depot, from Walmart. Let's just ask them if they have any extra pallets. And we put a pallet uh, wall in the back of our room, kind of when it was first becoming the thing to do. And it was not my idea. It was their idea. And what happened is it made them so invested in it. That it made it personal to him. It made it it made it very personal to him. And we had some of them that stayed up with us uh, into the deep, deep late hours of the night, uh, putting up these pallets one after the other. And it took forever, but there was a deep personal investment that they made into it. Um, I think you have to listen to the needs of your group. You don't listen to the, or you don't just look at the uh, the Instagram feed of the group that's you know 800 students and they have absolutely everything. They have like a go kart track in their foyer and a water slide from the second story or whatever. Like they they have everything. I've I've been to these places. I've been to a place that had an indoor basketball court with glass walls all around it. It was a little three on three court and it was graffitied up and it was in their foyer. It was it was bizarre. But we can't look at those things and just look at ourselves and say, am I doing a good enough job? Because it's really not so much about that. It's about are we facilitating our students to be active in this? So for us, kind of the irony in it, and I, I told you before, we, we used to be in our family life center. We were in the corner room. It was a classroom setup. Um, it was not it was it looked like a Sunday school that was completely empty, just gray walls, nothing. And we started off with that and we didn't know what to do. We didn't have a youth band. We didn't have. Uh, we didn't have any, anything going like that. So we just stepped in this room. It was a classroom. And it morphed over the years into something entirely different. And so we started thinking when we, when we discussed building this new student center that we're in right now, um, it's amazing. Like we're incredibly blessed and we do not take it for granted in the slightest. But what's amazing is uh, the thing about millennials and Generation Z, they're not looking for flash they're not looking for the most incredible media light show, whatever. I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. It's nice. But what they're looking for more than anything else is authentic. So you can have the coolest looking place in the UPCI. But if you don't have a genuine connection, not only with God, but with your students and with their own character and their own personality and their own traits, uh, if you don't have that genuine connection with them, who cares? How many lights that you have? Who cares how big your screen is? Who cares, uh, you know, how how you have seventy 
thousand people jumping in the in the front of your worship set and everybody else should be jealous of you cares about any of that if we're not tapping into those two genuine connections with god and with our students and our facility has to reflect that so let the needs of your group let the talents of your group let the personalities of your group and yes also let the approval of your pastor uh, shape your facility, whatever you're given, even if you have to set it up and take it down, have your students involved in every process of it. A lot of times we want to prove our value. I, say, I said it again. We, we try to prove our value as student pastors and we try to prove that we're doing a good job, especially because there's so many jokes about student pastors. Um, we want to prove ourselves. And so we try to overcompensate by doing so much by ourselves. But really what we're supposed to do is facilitate these students and to draw them in and let them have a voice in it. So all of that being said, um, I'm going to just list four things that I wrote down beforehand that whenever we had our old building, we looked at, and we said we did this wrong. If we would have been thinking ahead, we would have done things differently. And if you have the capacity, if you have the ability, uh, start thinking about these things. Uh, the old the old building that we were in, the problems that we had were it was a classroom. It was a flat floor. There was no place for the musicians. Once we had a band started, we had Chris Bledsoe, who's now in Salem, Illinois. It's a good friend of mine. He was our worship leader in the band. He got it started and he's just standing there and they're all huddled together in around this massive drum cage. And uh, we, we didn't have a platform. We didn't, it wasn't elevated. So one thing that we did initially was build a little platform. It sets up an area that makes it feel more like we should be looking that direction of worshiping. It makes you look up at somebody who's speaking and it kind of gives them this uh, this veil of authority. It's just a little touch. But if you can, we built our own. Uh, we built it. It was slightly uneven. If you put a pencil on one side, it would have rolled all the way to the other wall. It wasn't that big of a deal because it was theirs. They built it. They were the ones that actually got in there with hammers and nails and screws and, and put this floor down. And it was it, it was great. But we built a platform and it's something that you can do yourself if it, your, your facility allows you. Um, one thing that we didn't have was an entry location. This is incredibly important, I think. This is a universal thing. Uh, we did not have a place that when people walked in, they would have to pass by and communicate with somebody. So the first thing that we did when we designed our new building was we have a desk at the front. We have two greeters. And if somebody's passing by, they have to say, hey, they have to say, hey, come check in right here and talk to us. That entry location, that place that's a welcome station, basically, uh, I think it's an incredibly important thing that you need to set up in your student ministry. I know these are kind of simple things. It should be relatively common sense, but um, I delayed it forever. And that was on me. Uh, and these are things that I wish that we would have had earlier. Again, personal touches. Uh, the third thing, you have to have personal touches. Um, it has to reflect your group, whatever uh, kind of matches their personality, their giftings and all that. And you have to kind of uh, give them some leeway. The, the old room, what we did is, again, we didn't have a platform. We didn't have space for a drum cage, but we put a massive one in there and said, we've got to do away with this. So what we did is we took the drum cage out and we had two closets back behind the platform area. And our guys got sledgehammers and hammers and brooms, and they just started knocking the wall out. Again, this is with the approval of our pastor, so just chill out for a second. We uh, we knocked the back wall out, and when they had it all taken down, all you could see was the metal studs remaining and the conduits for electricity. And we put a plexiglass shield behind it, and suddenly our old closet was a drum cage. And they thought it was the coolest thing for a long, long time because it was theirs. It was their idea, and it kind of reflected the uh, – I guess, borderline anarchist personality of our worship band. Uh, but maybe we should have prayed for them a little a little more, but I, I don't know. Anyways, the last thing that I want to mention is it's something that gets a lot of attention. And a lot of people say that I don't think that we have the budget to do it. I don't think that we can. And uh, 
if look again, everything is with pastoral authority. If your pastor does not approve of this, you, you say, yes, sir. Uh, no problem whatsoever. But the last thing is the lights. If you're looking for a place to find some lights that you can set up, that you can take down easily, but you can do it all on a budget. Uh, it used to be called cheaplights.com and now it's called famousstages.com. Famousstages.com and they have incredible prices. Uh, you can set it up, take it down very easily. And again, you get the students in to come in and put the stuff together and it's going to feel like theirs and it's going to give them a sense of uh, of real intimacy with the space that means something to it. It's, it's a genuine, authentic connection that they'll have with it. And so lastly, I guess kind of what I'm saying in general is I tried for so long because, again, being a pastor's son, I looked at our facility. I looked at our space. I looked at the job that I was doing, and I always looked at it through the lens of how does this reflect on the job that I am doing? And what I didn't realize is the entire time it was saying, how does this reflect on me? Does this make me look good? Does this make me look from the outside like I'm a good student pastor? And the truth is, I don't think it really mattered. What mattered was that eventually we listened to our students and we listened to their ideas and we listened to them when they said, I want to get involved in this. And we gave them the space and we let them start getting involved. And uh, that was our old, old building. It was an intimate space. And to be honest, sometimes I kind of miss it. But if I could leave you with any one takeaway, it's open yourself up to uh, letting them do something that even if it doesn't look absolutely perfect, it lets them have a voice. And uh, that's kind of all I have to say on that topic. And I'm ready for you guys to step in uh, whenever whenever you're ready. I'm done. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brother Ryan. Justin Ranking here. I uh, just wanted to walk through some question and answer. Those are those four points you made there in your closing remarks about what you did in your old space to help when you had a shared space to make it feel more like uh, your youth space. Those are great practical tips, some fantastic things for people to apply to their settings. Um, in, in kind of talking through your your recent building program, yeah. do you have anything that uh, I know you've, you've not been in it probably too long. What, what are some things looking back at at the new building of what you would have done differently there. Like, Oh man, we, we just now realizing we should have moved this to this place or yeah. um, we didn't make it as personal. What, what kind of things would you have to share there? Well, actually the, the crazy thing is we overcompensated with a platform and um, in our old room, again, we, it was a, it was a teaching setup, you know, it was a classroom. And so what we did was we, when we built this new building, we're like, we're going to have a good platform. So we did one thing that I'm very happy about. We built it with curtains on either side. And so the people, the worship band walks out and the curtain pulls back and then all the little storage space for the, for the musical instruments and everything. It's on either side of the platform, but it's covered up by a curtain. So we're like, yeah, that's a good idea. And we really wanted to elevate ourselves with the platform. And we, I think we made it probably uh, a foot too high perhaps. And it's almost like you're looking down from the mountain and uh, if you want a platform, you know, it doesn't need to be a mountain. It just needs to be high enough to elevate you above their heads a little bit. And uh, that's one thing that we did probably incorrectly. Um, honestly, we, we thought through so much of it and we asked for so much input um, that there's not a whole lot of mistakes that looking back that we made with that building. Um, but it's, it's, it's minute little details that really I think would be kind of inconsequential in this context. But the biggest thing that we did wrong with the old space, again, was I think it was the number one thing is we did not have a welcoming area. That is the biggest deal because when somebody first comes in, they need to see somebody. They need to talk to somebody. And uh, if you don't have a place for them to kind of funnel in, 
um, you're going to miss a lot of people or they're just not going to feel that personal connection the first thing when they walk through the doors. Absolutely. So I think, you know, if, if there are those people who are sharing a space like you used to, yeah, that they've got to maybe try and get creative, um, maybe some tips there on what, what do you think people could do to kind of create an entry location, maybe, maybe chair, how they set their chairs up or some kind of wall or something they can put up, um, maybe the pallets. Did you, did you ever experiment at the end before you got into your new building or was it just something you didn't even realize until you got into the new place? As far as that entry space, oh, that, that's the thing. Yeah. We, the, the side of the church that we walked into, it was a narrow hallway. So there was literally no place. If we would have put up like a little kiosk or something, there would have been no way for them to walk by. Um, but I, I can say this, what we, what we probably would have done in retrospect, if we did have a little bit more of an opening, was to have some sort of rollaway wall. And what a guy just did for us, we have a prayer wall that we're launching this Sunday in our main services. And uh, he took... I want to say he took eight feet by eight feet of lumber and built a frame. And then he built this reclaimed wood wall, but he built a hinge in the middle of it. So basically it turned, it, it falls back into a four foot tall wall, but then it's as you, uh, you know, take the hinges and rotate it back upwards. It's an eight foot tall reclaimed wood wall and it looks beautiful. And if we would have had something like that to just kind of like an entry area, just sort of a place where you know that this is where you're walking in. If we had the space to put something like that, uh, we would have done so. But I mean, our, our previous space was so restrictive. Uh, it's kind of like a, everything is a would have, could have, should have, you know? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I, know, I know we've been talking a lot about obviously your, your room and your space. What are what are some things that you do to get your kids outside of the walls uh, of their youth center and some events that maybe you do traditionally offsite that still they still feel like this is their event and this is what they do, but it's not actually inside your facility. Do you have any just quick uh, some of your favorites that your youth group does just to share with everybody? Honestly, um, this this is kind of in complete honesty. I have never been the event guy. I've never been the hype guy. I've, I don't have that gifting. I don't have that personality. It's actually what caused a lot of insecurity early on in student ministry, uh, especially I've, I've talked to some student uh, pastors who they've said, you know, I'm an introvert. And a lot of times I look around and I'm like, I, I'm just not as good as this guy, especially now that we see him on social media, you know. Um, but if I think the most successful thing that things that we've done is I, I know this is I hope it doesn't sound like a cop out, but it's when it's when it's been organic. When we went to San Antonio, for instance, um, we went to, we had like a retreat of sorts in San Antonio. I don't know if it counts as a retreat when it's in the city, but we stepped outside of our hotel. We walked down to the Alamo and it's at night and um, our guitarist, uh, Chris Adcock, um, he just brought his acoustic guitar with him and he just happened to sit down in front of the Alamo and he started playing. And we just started having like a little worship service in that one moment to me is probably in the. In the 15 years I've been doing this, it's one of the most uh, cohesion building moments that I can remember because it was just kind of beautiful and organic and authentic. And every time I've tried to do an event sort of off site that's different, since it's not my gifting, I've kind of uh, a lot of times I've gone home disappointed and been like, man, I planned out this. I planned out that. But I think the biggest the biggest thing, especially for this group that we have right now, is just being together um, because we have every reason to not be together together. Uh, Together means putting a headset on and hanging out with your friend on Xbox Live. That's what together means now. Um, so I think anything off-site in which you allow yourself some room to breathe and to laugh and to have fun, honestly, um, 
that's probably as important. Uh, does that answer your question? Does that make sense at all? Yeah, to you? I, okay. I think that's fantastic. I think that can take the pressure off of us um, to feel like we have to have these fantastic, amazing events. Obviously, you know, we have to plan and we have to give it our best. But sometimes kids, they just want to be together, whether it's inside our facility that we're trying to make theirs or just spending time with them and uh, showing that you care. And I think that's what your San Antonio trip did. Yeah, that's a, yeah. great, that's a great story. Just just one last question, Brother Ryan, before okay. I turn it over to Brother Thomas for a few announcements and he'll close it out in prayer for us. Um, just one quick question, kind of off topic a little bit. But um, what is really working for you in youth ministry right now? What's what's the one thing that you're just really excited about that you'd love to share? Um, don't feel like you're bragging or anything. Just just what what are you super excited about right now? And you'd love to just share with everybody about what's what uh, is really working in youth ministry? Well, probably um, I, I said before that I had this kind of this complex where I felt like I kind of had to do everything myself and I felt like I was a martyr. And so it felt noble. But uh, in retrospect, I think it just wound up being incredibly selfish. And I, I wish that I hadn't made that mistake early on because I stumbled across something about a year and a half ago, uh, maybe two years ago. And I started giving um, some of our students an opportunity to speak that previously I'm they wouldn't have been initially like somebody you look at and say, hey, I'm going to have them speak. But you just ask them. And what happened is we had a series where we just gave them the mic week after week after week. And we had some of the most incredible stories come out of that. I mean, it opened their eyes to each other. But also, um, I think it was important that we had people that weren't perfect up there uh, speaking. And I know that may sound like, look, I, I honor the platform and I, I honor the position uh, to get up there and to speak into somebody's lives. But when you open up people to tell their stories, um, it kind of helped some of them dive off into ministry. Now there's there's enough interested in ministry that it's kind of hard for us to facil facilitate all of them all the time. But what we've done is we've opened up our platform. And I know that sounds like a, that might not be exactly the uh, response somebody was looking for. But at the same time, when we opened it up to our students, it, it broke something in our group. And uh, probably the best feeling that I've ever had as a student pastor was after four weeks of that, watching them communicate and talk and uh, just really start opening up to each other after a good long period where there was a lot of uh, division, kind of no cohesion whatsoever. When we opened up our platform for them to step up and in a very raw, imperfect way, just start preaching it. Um, that has been the biggest thing that we've stumbled on in the past, say, two years. Man, that's beautiful. That's awesome. I think that contributes to what you what you've done in making your facility their facility as well as it's not just you putting on as youth pastor this show for them and creating this amazing facility. Now you have given them a place to speak to one another and to share, you know, God experiences and to share their story. And I think that's fantastic, bro. Thank yeah, you for sharing. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing with us that with us. That's very encouraging. I'm going to turn this the rest of this call over to our Director of Promotion, Brother Michael Thomas. Brother Michael, go ahead and take it away and let everybody know about next month's call and a few other announcements and wrap it up for us tonight. Sure thing. Thanks, Brother Ranky. And thank you, Brother Ryan Dean, for speaking on tonight's training call. Uh, very inspirational. And before we conclude with prayer and step away from this call, I just want to remind everybody about next month's youth ministry training call. Uh, so go ahead and get your phone out and make a reminder on your phone for the date of Tuesday, March 6th. This is going to be the date of our next training call, and we're excited to host Brother Andrew Fisher as he speaks to us about creating 
a revival atmosphere in our local youth ministries. Don't want to miss this call next month, Tuesday, March 6th. Also, a quick reminder that one of the single greatest investments that you can make in your personal ministry to young people is to attend the Youth Workers Training Event. And this year's training event will be held in St. Louis, Missouri on August 2nd and 3rd. And this training event, if you're not familiar with it, is sponsored by the UPCI Youth Ministries. And we're very excited about the topics that we are presenting at this training event. And we have a dynamic lineup of speakers uh, that will be speaking at this event. And uh, just, just a reminder also that this event is for youth pastors. It's for youth workers, youth staff members, and anyone who works with or ministers to young people and young adults. So if you're on this call and you're thinking, well, I'm not a youth pastor or, you know, I'm not officially the youth guy of my church. If you work with young people in any capacity and with your pastor's blessings, we want you at this event. You can glean from what is taught and presented there. Uh, right now, registration is live. So you can go to the community.com forward slash YMTE to register and to find out more information about this event. And now I want us to close with prayer. So if you will, help me pray as we close out this training call. Lord, we thank you for these wonderful youth workers and youth pastors who are on this call tonight. And we also pray for those youth workers who will join this broadcast on a future podcast archive somewhere. We pray that you bless those people as well. Uh, we pray for these youth workers tonight that you would encourage and bless them. Lord, we heard so many great ideas about making our facility our young people's facility and lord what we would pray tonight is that you would bring inspiration and creative imagination to these youth workers and the students in their youth ministries i pray that you would encourage and bless them lord anoint them to be powerful and effective youth workers for your kingdom we also pray that you would bless their midweek youth service and youth gatherings that will be taking place in the next few days during this week and we ask that you would empower all of these youth workers, youth pastors, to impact their students like never before. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks once again for being on this call tonight that is sponsored by UPCI Youth Ministries. And it's made possible through your support and generous giving to She's for Christ. It's our hope and prayer that you all have a blessed evening. God bless. You have been listening to the Youth Ministry Training Call. For other great youth resources, be sure to check out thecommunity.com. Thank you for joining us and have a great night.